Hello and welcome to the Flex. It's Matt St. Jean here with Joe Howie. Coming off a tough Friars Road Big East loss to Xavier, number 16, Xavier. This was a another another Providence Xavier game, Joe. Had everything you would expect when these two teams play as of late. Looks like a ranked Big East battle. Um, electric environment there at the Cintas Center. And unfortunately, one that didn't go the Friars way, but definitely not for lack of trying. Yeah, I, I, I mean, this is by no stretch of the imagination a bad loss. This is certainly one that I think you and I expected. And, you know, just when you look at the schedule, this, knowing how good Xavier is this conference season, looking at it, you're like, okay, that's, you know, you could chalk that up to an L, but really proud of the way the team played. They they chipped back from down 14, took the lead. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of heart surrounding this game, a lot of, a lot of heart in that comeback. And a lot of heart palpitations in my chest because I really, man, I can't handle these overtime close final possession Xavier games anymore. I really can't. Yeah, we're back. I guess we're back to doing this. The close, yeah. the close Big East games. <laughs> uh, the Friars are the close one there at Villanova, and then this one. You still come away one and one on the road trip, and the Friars uh, they get a week off here. They will be back at home next Wednesday against Georgetown. If you'd like to go to that one, well, we can help you out. <laughs> We've teamed up with SeatGeek this season to get you the best deals for tickets to your favorite teams. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, and they're here to give you some great deals. Get in on the fun and head over to SeatGeek, download their app, and use code NCAA Hoops Digest for $20 off your first purchase. And as always, this podcast is presented by House Enterprise and in partnership with House of College Hoops. Head over to our site, house-enterprise.com. For more info, <sighs> I need a deep breath after the game. Exhale. Yeah. yeah. The kind of the, the highlights of this one, the broad stroke story of the game, it's all Xavier at the start. They controlled the early minutes of this one. Xavier built a 14 point lead, and not even eight minutes. It was 25 to 11 at the under 12 timeout. And they were raining threes early on. They had four three-pointers in the game's first eight minutes. Friars battled back, though. They go on an 8-0 run close to halftime. Bynum hits a three, a buzzer beater there right before the break, bringing it within four at the half. This is another Xavier game where they start out hot and then let the other team get back into this. They did this last week at UConn. Friars get ahead for the first time uh, less than – three minutes into the second half. And from, from that point onward, it was a back and forth affair. Final minute, the teams trade threes. Bynum banks in the three to go to overtime. You go to overtime, and Xavier does just enough to get the win, take a two-point lead. Jared Bynum's final shot goes in and out, and Xavier walks away with the 85-83 to 83 win. Friars down 9-3 and three in Big East play, and Hey, no bad losses in that stretch. It's road games against the top teams. And you play like this. I think winning out is absolutely on the table for Providence. I totally agree, Matt. Um, And, you know, just taking a step back here, looking at the way Xavier started, I wasn't necessarily surprised. Um, Well, I mean, well, candidly, I was surprised because I got right off the train and flew home from working in New York City to turn on my TV to a 25 to 11 deficit. And I was like, okay, well, that's not how I, what I expected to turn on. But um, in terms of just mentality and, you know, 
coming out energized. I wasn't surprised. Xavier's coming off of a bad loss to Creighton last week. Obviously, you lose Zach Fremantle, so your guys are going to come out motivated. They're going to come out inspired. They were playing for him. Um, but like you said, you know, this is a Xavier defense that has kind of been up and down this season, and it's been more so down than it has been up as of recent. And I think that's why you saw the Friars were able to chip back against that 14-point lead and, and really come back in and make it a game in the second half. And when you look at that second half, I mean, damn, that was as Big East of Big East basketball as you can get. I mean, that was just fantastic, fantastic entertainment. I mean, good. Oh, yeah. Tip your hat, tip your caps to those kids because they they played their hearts out. Yeah, this was this was everything you would look for in a Big East game: physical play, inconsistent officiating, really weird basketball at times, clutch shots in overtime, and an electric environment. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, tip your caps to the officials too because you know James Breeding he had a really relaxing night, didn't have to blow his whistle too often, kind of got his jogging in up and down the court and. When he did blow his whistle, I think it was because his eyes were closed or he was looking at something in the fans section. He just he wasn't really doing his job. So I wish I could do that and still get paid because that's how life works for James Breeding. Don't do the right <laughs> thing. Get paid. Yeah, it was a, it was a the whistle did not go in Providence's way tonight. And quite frankly, that's life on the road in the Big East. If you're relying on the whistle to get wins, you're not going to go very far in conference play or Really in March, that's the key thing because you're not gonna, you can never count on a whistle in an NCAA tournament, especially Big East officials are used to what Big East basketball looks like. You get a Pac 12 official in some game against, I don't know, Charleston as a 12 seed, <laughs> and all of a sudden you're not getting any of the calls. So that's, I think this is a really good test for Providence in regards to that because they've benefited from the whistle, and that's the style of play that you get that Providence does. They're gonna play inside the paint, they're gonna be physical, and they're gonna try to get as many calls as possible because of that. And, that's just they play in a con- congested area. You get calls when that happens, and you got to be able to be competitive in games when that doesn't go your way. You got to be able to keep a cool head when it's not going your way. And I thought Bryce Hopkins had an up and down night in that regard, but Cooley was proud of him. He said that in the press conference that he was proud of the way he adjusted as the game went on, stayed with it, and still trying to make plays. I think this was not Bryce the best night for Bryce Hopkins, but I think this was a really good learning experience for him. Yeah, I agree. Um, by no means was I blaming the officials for the loss. I mean, we had the ball in Jared Bynum's hands with the possibility to win the game. I just don't think that the officiating was great. And even Bill Raftery made some comments on the on the telecast too. So, but on on the Bryce Hopkins front, you know, you're right, Matt. This this was a, a really difficult um, showing for him. You know, I, hold on, let me pull up the box sheet here before I botch this. But <laughs> he had ten points on. 14 field goals attempts and only three made field goals. That is, um, as we like to say in the industry, not good. And you know what, though? He still had 10 points and 13 rebounds, which is another double-double. I just think, you know, as this kid continues to grow and as he continues to learn through these challenges, you know, he still is impressive. Like, yeah. on a night, if you go three for 14, you know, you, you say, all right, you know, whatever, non-factor, still at 10 and 13. So uh, it was still a factor, just not the Big East player of the year conversation, Bryce Hopkins, that we've seen for a majority of the season. And I think, you know, Ed Cooley in the post-game press conference, Matt, you, you told me, you shared this with me before we started recording, was like, you know, Bryce has got to learn through this. You know, you can't let the the poor officiating or the lack of calls really stop you from playing. And I think we just saw him, we just saw an off night from him. 
Yeah, and I, th- I think a lot of that, too, is Jerome Hunter. I mean, I think a lot was made of the absence of Zach Fremantle. But this was, a, I think, always going to be a Jerome Hunter game looking at the way they match up. Bryce Hopkins is kind of a rare athlete in his size and, and explosion and ability to finish. Mm-hmm. And Jerome Hunter is one of the few guys in the Big East who I think actually does match up with him on an athletic basis. And he's got, I think, a little bit more experience at this point. And he's strong, too. So this was kind of one of those tests for Hopkins of, all right, how do you handle it? And that's if they're going to get Xavier again play everybody twice so that's going to be the, the first thing to watch because we don't know if Fremantle is going to be back when these teams meet again anyway that's around the point where maybe he's back we'll see yeah but um I thought Jerome Hunter did a fantastic job no and he he didn't I mean we, we could talk about the whistle whether or not Hopkins deserved whistles on some of those but they didn't call it and if they're not calling fouls on the contact then Jerome Hunter was doing a good job that's his that's his job right. there and he did a fantastic fantastic job of covering Hopkins whether there's a whistle or lack thereof, you know, Jerome Hunter played Hopkins extremely physical. And I think for a majority of conference play, it's been vice versa, where Hopkins is kind of imposing his physicality on other on the guys that are guarding him. And I don't think he was expecting that from uh, Jerome Hunter tonight. Not to mention, I, you know, there's a lot of, uh, of hype around the, the Fremantle absence and what it does for Xavier's offense. It helped them defensively because I don't think Zach Fremantle gives you that defensive performance on Bryce Hopkins, you know, and no. obviously Jerome Hunter would have been an option off the bench. And I'm sure Miller would have had some sort of defensive rotation and switch in place, but damn, the, the, it was, it was really good. Um, yeah. I, I said this to you before we started recording. This is now a trend with Xavier where, they do a really good job of scouting the top guy at the top of the scouting re- report defensively. They did it last year with Nate Watson where they held him scoreless in the first matchup. And I think he only had in the, in the neighborhood of 10 in the second matchup. Uh, I think he got 10 and he got that in the second or the third overtime there. I think it was right. the third one. And, you know, it was a very similar uh, storyline with Bryce Hopkins tonight. But I think what they forget is that there are other guys on the roster that can score. Enter Noah Locke, enter Ed Croswell. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's the impact of a guy like Bryce Hopkins who does demand attention is you can't you can't cover everybody. Yeah. And that's what I think that's what we saw both teams do today. I thought we saw some really good offensive basketball at points at both ends. We saw Providence defense that has had issues with communication, and Xavier mm-hmm. was able to exploit that a lot. I think we saw roll. a Xavier defense that was really trying to cover Bryce Hopkins and even Jared Bynum and Eddie Croswell points and other guys were getting open. Noah Locke, six three-pointers. He was electric. Jared Bynum had uh, mostly a really good game. Devin Carter had a decent game there, though he missed some shots. And Ed Croswell, was uh, he's emerging as one of the best big men in the Big East. Uh, I think one thing I'll note here that stands out when you look at the box scores, just minutes played. Hopkins goes wire to wire. He plays all 45 minutes. Devin Carter plays 42. Ed Croswell gives you 40 minutes. You only get five minutes from Clifton Moore off the bench. You get three from Corey Floyd. You get two from Jade Pierre. Alan Breed didn't even play 15 minutes in this one. They basically played only five guys in this whole game. And that's tough. When you go 45 minutes, it's Xavier is already a short bench team and they're down a starter. If you want to have an advantage over the Musketeers in a situation like this, you want your depth to be that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they clearly either didn't trust Clifton more against Jack Nunji or just thought Ed Croswell's offensive upside was worth it. The trade-off because Nunji had 25 and 14. He was unbelievable at both ends. 
Yeah, and I, I think we, this is a trend with like 23 the, and 14 for Martin Nunji. Jeez. Uh, I think this is a trend with the way that Ed Cooley likes to coach. I think if guys are hot, you know, he's going to keep pressing that button. Um, mm-hmm. I think if you look back at the Butler game, obviously different situation. That was a blowout over Butler at home when the Friars defeated them a couple days ago. Clifton Moore got a lot of run, and it's because he was playing well. Now, granted, you're blowing out Butler, but still, Ed Cooley didn't really change things up. I think of um, this is going to be a major throwback. You look at the road game at Creighton in 2019, the 2018 2019 season. I think the lineup on the floor was Makai Ashton Langford, Drew Edwards, Malik White, Khalif Young, and I want to say David Duke. I, I probably botched that, but like it wasn't your starters, it was your non traditional bench guys, but they kept you in the game. So Cooley kept hitting that button. This is just something that I think has been consistent with the way that he coaches. Um, so I think with respect to tonight, you know, you look at Clifton Moore, who's obviously been on the upswing as of late the past couple of games. Ed Croswell is playing with his hair on fire in the paint. You know, Nunji, for as good as he is, is having difficulties guarding Croswell. He's really slippery down low. He's great in tight spaces, good with head fakes. So, you know what? If he's rolling already, keep him rolling. I think the same thing goes with Noah Locke. And in terms of Devin Carter, you can't, you can't take that gamble defensively and take him out the way he's yeah. been playing. Yeah. Also, I think this is a game where you wish, um, I think Corey Floyd in particular is a guy mm-hmm. I look at there is like something I think you wish could have given you more quality minutes in there. I think you could have used some of the defense. I think you could use his quickness on boom. He, I think is a guy who could be an X factor down the stretch. Cause if he yep. can score the way he did in the last two games, it gives you those three point opportunities that he's, he's a good defensive guard already. And he's super quick. Yeah, he's really good in his own defense too. So you put that all together and you got a guy who kind of gives you the upside of both Breed and Locke at the same time. Yep. You can have a guy like that who can come off the bench that even if he's giving you only 10 minutes, you're all, you're not asking a ton of him, but maybe 10 minutes. I think that could help you a lot. Cause they didn't have an answer for Sule boom when mm-hmm. they needed it. And I think one of the big takeaways from this game is Friars did not have an answer for boom. Xavier did have an answer for Bryce Hopkins. Yeah. Those are the two big guys going into this one, and I think that's kind of the difference maker. You didn't force Xavier to go to other stuff to beat you. Boom was able to beat you. It forced Providence to go away from Bryce Hopkins for the game winner, and Bynum was bound to miss eventually. He, let's just before you answer that, just look <laughs> at Bynum's history here against Xavier. He hits the game winner at Centos last year. He hits the game sealer at Providence. He hits the buzzer beater. Uh, tonight before the first half he hits the bank in three to tie the game and send it to overtime and then he rattles in and out a three-pointer that would have won the game from the corner where i think you would argue sule boom was making a little bit of contact as he was getting that shot off <laughs> I, I'll, I'll 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 respond to that first matt you know jared bynum has been spectacular against xavier the past two seasons and just looking at some of the responses from the Xavier side of things in the press conference and some of the way that the the Xavier Twitter accounts have held themselves. Jared Bynum and the Providence Friars live beachside rent free gigantic beach house with a pool and a back bar and a hot tub rent free in the mind of every single person that goes to Xavier university. And you can't change my mind on that. That's just a fact. Um, But no, Bynum has been good in late game situations, tight shot clock situations against Xavier. Uh, the first part of that, I lost my train of thought. What was the first part that I was going to respond to? Um, uh, about forcing them to go away from 
your top options. Yep. Force so, the Providence to get away from Bryce Hopkins to beat you. This is something that um, Peter DiBiase and I talked about on last night's episode is that as important as the Fremantle injury was to this matchup, it didn't solve the problem for Providence that was Sule Boom. That is the Xavier backcourt. I think, you know, Jared Bynum, as good as he is offensively, you know, Sule Boom is, is a little bit bigger than him, a little bit quicker than him. That, that's a tough defensive matchup for Bynum. And I think, you know, you kind of saw that tonight. And if you're not going to give Alan Breed the minutes, you know, you got to ride with Bynum guarding Sule Boom, which is a tall order. Yeah, and that's and that's the way it goes. You got to do offense and defense down the other ends of the floor. And um, this is one of those – when they play again, I'm going to be very intrigued to see what kind of changes Ed Cooley ends up making to his rotation here. Because you need somebody to guard Sule Boom. Bynum is clearly not it. I don't think Devin Carter becomes hard because somebody has to guard Colby Jones. But then this is this is the issue with Xavier. This is why they're one of the best offenses in the country. Is everybody you need five guys who can guard well to play them? Otherwise, you're going to have a real tough time. And the Friars just don't have that. The Friars are fine. Like they're not. It's not like they're bad. They're not getting entirely outclassed or anything. No. But they just they they you need like three three elite defenders against Xavier. And it feels like the Friars have two right now, at least in the court that you can play and have offense at the other end. I think that's another area where Corey Floyd's development, if he helps you out, that could help a ton. Yeah. you know, I think you're right, Matt. And I, I just think, you know, bare bones, Xavier's a tough matchup for us. They're bigger than us in the front court and they're quicker than us in the back court. Like you said, this is why they're one of the top offenses in the country. And, you know, Sometimes that's just the way the ball rolls and, and you got to deal with the blows. But I think this is certainly a learning experience for the Friars because you do get the opportunity to play Xavier again late in the season. I think it's March 1st, that matchup. It might be the second yep. to last game that we have. It is. It's a- and that's that's the spot where Providence has played the Xavier team historically. Mm-hmm. Last year, it was the that was it was, a, it was the so, second to last week the of the 26th. season. Sixth. I think it was the last week of February. They, they get them in the weeknight in the last week or the second to last week. Mm-hmm. The second to last week last year, I think it was the last week, the season before that, and the last no, it was the second to last week last year, the second to last week the year before that, and the last week the year before that. Yeah, Friars won all of them, and all of those were huge reasons why Xavier went on to miss the tournament. So that's this is Xavier's going to come in motivated and. I mean, that's a game that in a lot of ways could be for the Big East regular season title or at least could be an elimination game. As we're recording this, Marquette and Villanova are in a close one. But, I mean, this is one of those games. It could it could be a tie. It could be two or three-way tie at that point, and that game is going to determine stuff. Yep. So, yeah, and that's – the Friars are very much still on schedule here. Let's zoom out and ignore the dates of games for a second. Just imagine a matrix in your head that just has all of the games everybody plays because everybody plays the same thing. Everybody, everybody's got the same schedule. If that happens, Friars are completely clean here in terms of what the losses are. If you think this team is one of the four best in the Big East, which the record says it is, and has no losses outside of road games against those teams. And that's you look at the rest of the schedule. There's some tough games. The rest of the way, it's not easy sledding by any means. But also, let's look at it. It's Georgetown at home. 
obviously should be winning that one. At St. John's, that's a tough one. That's a losable game, but the Friars are going to be favored. At home against Creighton on Valentine's Day, Providence is going to be favored in that one, although it's going to be a very close one. At home against Villanova, they already beat them on the road. At UConn, that becomes the huge one. Yeah. You win that one, you have a real, real, real shot at winning the Big East again back-to-back years. Then you finish at Georgetown versus Xavier versus Seton Hall. Winning all of those is a lot to ask. The Friars may be favored in all but one down the stretch here, and if they play up to their standard, they should lose no more than one game. Yeah, I totally agree. The first thing that I did after the loss is I took out my phone and looked at the the upcoming schedule and did exactly what you just did, Matt, but in my head. I was like, which of these games are winnable, which of them are losable? And I think I'm going to knock on every piece of wood that I have around me right now. More of them are winnable than losable. Um, the ones that I think frighten me uh, are at UConn, at St. John's, and at home against Xavier. Um, I, I think and home against Creighton. I mean, home against Creighton. Yes, thank you. I, yeah. I, but to your point, Providence has done everything that it needs to do to this point in the season, given the level of competition and who we've played. You beat Marquette yeah. at home. You lose to Marquette on the road. Fine, you net out. You lose to Creighton on the road, but you haven't played him at home yet. Fine. You take care of business on the road against Seton Hall, Butler, DePaul, Villanova. I think there's one more in there. Or is there not? No. And you take care of business at home. You've done everything that you're supposed to do to this point in the season, and you have to continue to do that through the remainder of the season. If you're lucky to steal one on the road over UConn or you know split with Xavier at home, I think that's going to be the edge. That's going to be the, okay, here we go. Yep. Now, now we're really we're seriously talking about a repeat. Yeah, and it's of it's the the Creighton UConn Xavier games. Yeah, win two out of win one out of three. You you don't have a shot at winning the regular season. Win two out of three, you got a shot. Win three out of three, you're probably going to do it. And the rest the rest of those, it's just don't lose the dumb ones. Like that's, and I don't think any of these other ones are going to be quad one. Let me let me check where the net is before this, but they're all like they're all games the Friars are going to be expected to win if you're if you're one of those teams. Uh, let me get my net up here. Yeah, it's only three quad one games left, so that's the the recipe here has always been, especially to prove you're a legit like real true quad one opponent. Win all the ones below quad one. Win the home games in quad one. No. That's that's where they are. And that I mean, the whole season, they only have one loss that isn't quad one, and that's the St. Louis loss. That's on a neutral site, and uh, it's a loss that hasn't aged well. But we'll, we'll <laughs> see what St. Louis ends up doing down the stretch here. And it's not a loss that kills you, especially that early in the season with the rest of the stuff. And no. Uh, pick, up, pick up a road quad one win at UConn. That offsets that, and you're looking at – Winning the Big East and being a top four seed in March. Yeah. And quite honestly, Matt, given the, the tiebreakers and whatnot and the things, the way things shake out, just watching this Marquette game right now, we could very well be in a situation where we're sharing the Big East crown with the likes of Xavier and or Marquette and or Creighton, depending on how they play out at the end of the yeah. stretch here as well. So we, we could, there's a realistic scenario here where we all split against one another and win basically the rest of our games or only drop one outside of that tier. <laughs> if that happens, it could be like a four-way tie at 15 and five atop the conference or whatever. Yeah. It's 
Um, that would be crazy. Yeah. I mean, and there's the Friars do only have three conference losses right now. That's 17 and three, 16 and four, both entirely, entirely on the table right now. 15 and five is still very much on the table. I think anything with less than 15 and five at this point would be a disappointment based on how the team has played. But yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think Ken Palm has them losing three more games in conference play. Oh, sorry. That's Creighton. I was looking at, <laughs> I, be, I believe. Yeah. It's, it also has us losing three more games, but that's because all of these are super close. We still have, you know, home against Creighton is a split. Home against Xavier is a toss-up. At St. John's is a toss-up. Uh, those are those are all very close games. Uh, I, w- I also I want to note this about Providence right now. The Friars, uh, this is the best offense in efficiency right now that they have had under Ed Cooley. Ever? Um, yeah, it, wow. this is actually the best offense Providence has had in the Ken Palm era. Wow. They're currently 16th in the nation. And it's just, it keeps going up. And the defense is top 60. You ideally want to be a top 40 unit. I think we got a top 20 offense right now. And I know we can we can talk about the, com- the computers or whatever all we want. But at the end of the day, like when the computers are there, they're basically just taking what you see as the eye test and turning it into math and numbers and trying to measure it so there's less bias involved. And what the numbers say is Providence is a team that can score pretty effectively and defend a little bit worse than it scores and and is one of the 20 – it's one of the 30 best teams of the country, even when you include some of the negative stuff at the start of the season. I That matches everything I've seen just watching it. I totally agree, Matt. I think – you just got to take a step back here as a Providence fan and look at the, the body of work that Ed Cooley's put in over the past two seasons and mm-hmm. the, the respective off seasons as well, because, you know, I wrote about this in my road to the garden preseason piece saying that this could be a team that's in contention for the regular season title repeat, or they could be like a Villanova suffering a hangover. And damn, you just, damn, I, I and the metrics being there to back it, especially after all of the the heart wrench that we went through with with Ken Palm last season and the lucky metrics and whatnot. But I mean, it's just it's incredible to see the transformation of this program year over year and the consistent uptick in talent. And you know, I, I just you got to tip your cap to Ed Cooley. The, he won't be in the conversation for coach of the year, but what he's done with five new starters and essentially an entirely different team from last year's Sweet 16 team is really impressive. Yeah. And that's, I'd said at the beginning of the year that this is the season where Ed Cooley earns that yeah. title. Because last year, it's very easy to say, wow, Ed Cooley had that one really good season. He got that award out of it versus. People saying, wow, Ed Cooley is such a good coach. Remember when he won coach of the year? That's it's just it's small, but that's the difference this stuff creates when you go out and yeah. people don't look at it as a flu. People look at it as changing and becoming such a great coach. And the way he's evolved, I think, in front of our eyes is special. And you listen to him talk about his guys too and talk about Bryce Hopkins. For anybody that read the athletic article, oh, article. today about Bryce Hopkins, which I think that was also telling, talking about the physicality that Bryce Hopkins needed to match, and all right. This is tonight. Took it up another level. I think a yeah. level he wasn't ready for. Let's see. I can tell you that Georgetown is definitely not going to be taking it to that level 
when they face next week and he'll get some time off to rest and recover. So we'll see what ends up happening here over the next couple of weeks. I'm not, I'm not bothered by this. No. By what Hopkins did tonight. I think he had a, a he's, a, we forget how young of a player he is with how good he's been. <laughs> You, you look at Bryce Hopkins, and if you haven't read the article, I suggest finding a workaround or, or subscribing to The Athletic because it is a really yeah, just, good read. The Athletic is absolutely worth all time. I've been a yeah. subscriber for years. I Yeah. Yeah. Matt and if anybody, you know, yeah. And you know, what, I, you know what? I'll do this. I have, a, I have a 30 day guest pass remaining. So if anybody wants, the first person who listens to this wants to read that article and wants a 30 day pass with The Athletic, you DM me, I'll send you one. Yeah. So. If you haven't read the article, read it. If you want to read it, get the guest pass or find a workaround, find a friend with the article. It is a really good, really well-written article on Bryce Hopkins and the transition that he took from high school to Kentucky to Providence and just the state of Bryce Hopkins. Um, and I, I think it's just – it's really fitting that it came out today because in the article, it, it details the training that Hopkins had to go through over the summer. And basically, in short – Cooley put Hopkins one-on-one against Ed Croswell every single day because Cooley pinned Croswell as the toughest guy on the floor. And it got so physical and so gritty to the point where Croswell gave Hopkins a bloody nose. Hopkins was animated in the coach's office. The two of them had to be separated and kicked out of practice. And now they're no longer allowed to go against each other one-on-one in practice. That's how physical the two of them got. And I think tonight, if you, if you look at the way Hopkins played, this is the next step up in his journey. And, if you, you you read the article, you look at his transformation from Kentucky to Providence, you have to realize, like, not not literally, but theoretically, this is Bryce Hopkins' freshman year. He did not play the significant amount of minutes last year to really qualify that as a full season. I know the books and the and the, the, the facts say otherwise, but in theory, this is Bryce Hopkins' freshman season, and if this is what he's putting together with a legitimate amount of playing time and a serious role on a on a a power conference team, then damn, if he stays in college for another year at minimum, he's going to be a, a walking NBA player uh, on the floor yeah. with uh, with a lot of college kids. Yeah, and I think that's where I think his decision-making is still not quite where it needs to be. His ball handling is still – his ball handling is good, for really good for a big man. Mm-hmm. But it's clearly ball, big man ball handling at points. And yes. I think yeah. he can be a little bit I think he can be a little bit smoother with his left hand finishing. I think we saw UConn at points do that too. I think we saw Creighton and Marquette. They try to force him to that left hand. I feel like I've been watching the, the Celtics Warriors uh series in the final finals last year all over again because they kept taking Providence's or the Celtics wings and forcing them to their off hands and forcing them to drive in ways they were uncomfortable with. Bryce Hopkins is getting that exact same treatment that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were getting in that series, which forcing him to that stuff. His three point shot is good. It can be better from what that article says. It will be better. He's good in practice. He just hasn't gotten it to translate yet. He doesn't even need to do all of that. Get a couple of those things down to be a little bit better. And it raises his game to a crazy level. And that's improvement he can make this season to a degree some of that comes with just confidence i think the first half of the game too providence there there were a lot of wide open looks the friars passed up to dribble into the lane and take a contested mid-range shot yeah and i'm and i at a certain point you got to trust your jumper trust your your three-point shot you got to look from the outside don't be afraid to take it because you're going to be open when you get the ball these guys are good shooters. They're not the best shooters in the world. They're not some of the other teams, but 
they're good enough that I think you can live with taking the shots. They're not – I don't see any of these guys going Andre Jackson going <laughs> four for 12 from deep. I think you got a lot of guys in there who can go you know, three for seven, and you can live with that. No, I, I totally agree, Matt. <laughs> Great comparison. You're not Andre Jackson where you're you're dialing up a three and guys are turning their back to get ready for the rebound. But, um, I mean, I think, you know, you look at Noah Locke too and the hit or miss offensive performances that he's had. I think you get him going and you get him an open look. You get him off the, the curl that they love to run for him. Like, take the shot. You know, I, that was probably one of the most frustrating elements of the first half is passing up the open looks for the the contested mid-range or, you know, getting your shot stuffed a, under the rim. Like There was a shot clock violation in there because guys were passing up looks. And I love the pass-first mentality. I love that it's like, I got a good shot. We can get a better shot. Yeah. it's And it's all these adjustments we're talking. It's not like, oh, they need to change everything. It's let's no. turn the let's turn the dial from eight to seven. Right, or from from five to seven, or whatever it is. These are just little adjustments. Right, we're we're not saying throughout the rule. No, and both of these teams that played tonight are great. That's the thing, and this is why. I mean, this is why Ken Palm calls it luck because even if you play really well, if games are just are close, sometimes the shot doesn't go in for you. Sometimes the shot goes in for the other team. Sometimes you think he got fouled and they don't call it. That happens. This is one of those nights. And yeah. it's cool. We said they were unfortunate. It's the title of the podcast, they're unlucky. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's just one of those nights. It's basketball. It happens. You're not going to win them all. I think the Friars still played a very good game. I thought they learned, adjusted as it went on. I thought the defense played better as the game went on. And came down to which offense was better. Xavier's offense was better. We'll see what happens when they come to the amp. Yeah. You know, they, I think you said it perfectly, Matt. And mm-hmm. to to play the way we did on the road and and – have the ball in Jared Bynum's hands for what was 99% a clean shot. You know, I, I think, I think you take that and you stuff it in your back pocket. Absolutely not a moral victory because a loss is still a loss on the, on the stat sheet, but you take that and you build from it. And, and that's really it. Heartbreaking loss. Yes. Bad loss. Absolutely not. Xavier's ranked for a reason. Exactly. And this, this shouldn't touch where the Friars are in the rankings. We'll see if it does, you know, AP voters. But <laughs> it's one of the, 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 there is no argument you can make that Providence isn't one of the 30 best teams in the country, at least, and with a good resume. So, yeah. uh, I think it's also important to note in this whole thing. I just want I want to stress this, like. Ken Baum has really liked Providence more than the resume metrics and stuff this year. I think it's like, this is one of those years. Like I know, I know last year was a bit of an outlier for Providence, but Ken Palm really liked what Providence was doing this year. I was looking at some of this stuff where this was as of uh, yesterday, but where Providence was, um, if we took our rating, well, first of all, we took our rating and compared it to last year's, it was a four point difference, which is huge, 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 huge difference there. And also, this year's Providence team, if you put them last year, would be in the top twenty-five of Ken Palm. They're they're just they're playing that well. This team is playing like a top twenty-five team by the eye test, by the metrics, not quite by the resume yet. You need wins over Creighton and Xavier at home to solidify that. But uh, this this team will be a top six seed on Selection Sunday for sure if they do what they should do over the next five weeks here. I mean, I'm looking at Ken Palm right now. Ken Palm has us. Winning seven of our next eight. Well, that—that's the thing. It's 
it has us projected has us favored in seven of them but because a bunch of them are close it doesn't think we win all of those oh i see yeah and that's the thing is that you can be favored in a game and you outplay a team by th- by three points and they hit a lucky shot that goes in and you're in overtime and then you never know what happens or yeah. i mean you play one of those games and the guy gets in foul trouble and another guy goes off that's basketball that's why they play the games xavier lost to depaul let's not forget that <laughs> xavier hey don't don't sleep on that loss that could be that could be interesting come march so not for ncaa tournament seating hopes but big east tournament and regular season title seating so don't sleep on that depaul could be playing upset here depaul could could certainly be trying to ruin some seasons let's see i mean there's a lot of a lot of big east basketball to be played somebody else is going to stumble it could be the Friars. It could be all the teams stumble, but they still could be Marquette based on looks of this game right now. That is a close one. Um, St. John, St. John's and Seton Hall are both good enough to beat Providence on a good day. Yeah, and they get St. John's on the road. That'll be the MSG, which I think it, it helps Providence that that's at the Garden. Instead, uh, yeah, I agree. I think Providence typically plays a little more stiff against St. John's and Carnesecca. I think in years past they've se- you've seen them play a little bit looser at MSG. Yeah. So well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens down the stretch here. But it's hard not to feel good about where the Friars are at this point. It's back to back years where we get to this point feeling good. They already have they already have seventeen wins this year, which is more than they had in twenty twenty one. It's only one win short of what they had in twenty nineteen. Uh, it's more than they had in Ed Cooley's first year. This is it's February first, and this year is already uh, as it's already better than two Ed Cooley years and one win behind a third Ed Cooley year. Yeah, so lots of lots of reasons to be optimistic. Before we leave, you want me to just run through the stats here real quick? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Sorry, I keep getting distracted by the game on the TV. <laughs> no, we got some good basketball on right now. Some some fun games there. Uh, for for Xavier, Jack Nunji, twenty three points, ten of fifteen from the field, three of four from deep. Also 14 rebounds for him, leading scorer and leading rebounder there for for the game. Uh, Colby Jones also had 20 points. Sule Boom, 20 points. Colby had 20 points, uh, three rebounds, two assists. Boom had 20 with nine assists. So Sule Boom, very close to a double-double there. He was, he was excellent. Xavier had 22 assists on 32 field goals with only five turnovers. Their passing is just ridiculous. It's so hard to get in their lanes. They move the ball so well to create space so effectively. Jerome Hunter hit nine points. It was three of eight from the stripe. He had eight rebounds. He had a real solid performance. I think it's also important to note when we talk about this. Yeah, Xavier had a significant free throw advantage. They missed 10 free throws, 13 to 23 from the stripe. That's the type of thing. Friars could play better next time, but also Xavier shoots better from the free throw stripe. That was uncharacteristic of them. We'll mm-hmm. see. Uh, those are the small things that can that can it's, really turn games. It's the same thing as that Marquette matchup where we beat them in double overtime at the dunk or at the amp, sorry, where Providence had a, a major free throw discrepancy but missed 13 free throws and only won by a couple of points. Like that that's just yeah. that's one of those intangible statistics that isn't a statistic, you know? You had the opportunity, yeah. but you didn't capitalize on it. Xavier makes the free throws. You don't go to overtime. That's yeah. it's just the yeah. way the I ball li- rolls. I like you mentioning Marquette game. This was basically that game, but but reversed. with us on the losing side. This was right. the equivalent that happens in Big East to play. Xavier shot uh, eight of twenty three from deep. So thirty five percent. So not the usual three point shooting. They they got it out of their system early. 
with that. When they made four of their first seven, and then four of their remaining 16. <laughs> uh, so the Friar three-point defense did end up showing up there. For Providence, leading score was Noah Locke with 22. Six of seven from deep. That's, that's good. That's a, that's a big East honor roll performance right there from Noah Locke. He had five rebounds, too. I thought he was really good on the boards tonight. He had a couple nice plays there. He had, he had a good game, and I think he was pretty good defensively on Kunkel minus that one blip in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ed Croswell, 21 points, 8 of 9 from the field, 9 rebounds. I want to mention, so I, I wasn't didn't get to come on the podcast last time, but against Villanova, Croswell made his first 7 shots from yeah. the field. Finished 7 of 9, 8 of 9 here tonight against Xavier. He has really found a new groove. He's one of the best big men in the Big East. They're all kind of indistinguishable at this point. They're all so good, I think. You throw a dart at it and find a find a first team all conference selection there with the big men. It's really it's going to be really difficult when you're making these all conference selections at the end of the season because of how good you know the front courts have been across the boards across the conference. And I think if I'm Ed Croswell too, I'm playing with a huge chip on my shoulder for not being in that initial conversation. Obviously, there was some postseason momentum and hype coming around other guys heading into this season. And Croswell played in the shadow of Nate Watson last season, who was another all-conference selection. But Ed Croswell has certainly overperformed to the expectations and should receive some sort of, you know, most improved honorable mention at the end of the year. You, yeah. You get to a first team of all big men the way they've played this year. And <laughs> yeah. it's crazy. We did our, on Road to the Garden, we did our Big East draft. Or we drafted four teams of Big East players. And Eric Dixon didn't even get picked. That's how, how crazy deep it goes there. And he's a guy who has first-team Big East ability. So, yeah, Croswell really nice. Is some of the best footwork in the Big East. He's been yeah. he's been incredible. Bryce Hopkins, he had a double-double. 10 points, 13 boards. Only 3 of 14 from the field for him. But he had a really nice rebounding night. Uh, he had five assists as well. Yeah. Uh, Bynum, 11 points. He was just three of 12 from the field. His shooting was also not quite there, but he did hit two threes. He did have five rebounds. He did have six assists. He played 35 minutes. All in all, a pretty good night for him. Uh, and then Devin Carter also had 15 points, one of five from deep, five boards, four assists. So assists coming from a number of different places there. Then you see the drop-off. Alan Breed, two points. Clifton Moore, two points each. Each of those with one rebound. Breed did get into foul trouble, so that was part of it. He had three. Clifton Moore played two minutes. Sorry, played five minutes, scored two points, and that was it. He, he barely saw the floor. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, those are the big stat guys. Pierre and Corey Floyd held scoreless. That's it for Providence. The Friars shot 43% from the field, 45% from deep, 9 of 20. 14 of 18 from the free throw lines are pretty good there. Only eight turnovers. But I think I think the real lesson you take away from this, uh, Xavier's offense really is that good, and Jerome Hunter gave them enough defensively to make the offense good enough for a win. Yeah, I agree. I also think, you know, th- this point proves true time and time again. It's that it, the road in the Big East is a very difficult place to play. I, I don't care if you're at DePaul if you're at, or if you're at Xavier. It's a very difficult to play on the road in this conference. You know, I just hope we, we can get him back at home. Yeah, and that'll be March 1st, last week of the season. Um, yeah, we'll be back for for that one. That'll be a good game. And you got a week off here, so yeah. he earned the rest on this one. Yeah, so does my so yeah. did my blood pressure. Yeah. All right. Are we going to call that a, a show? Yeah. It's getting late. I want to go to bed. 
All right. Well, we'll see you next time. That's Joe Howie. I am Matt St. Jean, as always. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time. Go Friars.